This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 30th, 2022. Small part, big impact. Many hands make light the work. Good morning, Connection Church. Gosh, it's good to be with you here in the sanctuary, there in your living room, in your car. If you're driving, don't close your eyes when we pray. Uh, wherever you may be, this is a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. What a great day out there. Today is our last Sunday for this series, Small Part, Big Impact. Today our focus is on many hands make light the work. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we pray, we want to make sure that you have something important that we're going to use in a few minutes. So would the ushers come forward, please, and pass out this handout that we would like for each one of you to take a look at. While they're doing that, Ron, do you need one? Um, hey, Paul. Paul. Can you get one, Ron? Thanks. Um, while they're, they're doing this, there's one more thing that we want to draw your attention to that's happening, and it's on Friday night. It's our packing party. There has been so much excitement and momentum around Operation Christmas Child, and we have a lot of things that you donated. You put, you know, took the things off of the trees and put your pencils and hairbrushes and notebooks and all that kind of stuff in the box, and all that will be here so that we can come together on Friday night and pack boxes. This is a family event. It's a really great thing if you have kids or grandkids to um, come together and pack these boxes. It's at 6 o'clock. There's no registration necessary. We hope that you will come on Friday night. All right, well, let me go ahead and pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather us here this morning uh, in person and online. Settle us in wherever we're at and help us have some uh, laser focus to experience what you want us to hear, to feel your touch, to have some vision of what you would want from each one of us. And so thank you for this time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. So everybody, put those things that we just handed to you, set them aside now. We'll get back to them later. We'll get back to them. <laughs> so, I hate to move. I see some shit. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. I, I, I hate it. Two reasons. Uh, for one thing, we like to stay put. We like to dig roots where we are. We feel settled. We get involved in the community and all that kind of thing. And the other reason, we just have too much stuff. And I, you know, I don't want to work that hard. We have that too much stuff in the basement, in our closets, and everywhere else. And we don't want to part with it. We want to keep it. So, you know, even if it's in boxes in the basement, we haven't looked at it during the most of our 44 years of marriage, we still want to keep it. So, I mean, well, well, we've moved, what, five times maybe? And that counts apartments and everything since we've been married. 44 years, that's an average of once every nine years. We're, we just don't move much. We don't move much. Now, the, the last time that we moved, it was a two-parter. So when we were called to start this church 
here, um, we had a, a house in Seaford and we had one in Middletown that was being built and it wasn't finished yet. And so our friends in Seaford, two of them are here right now, Connie and Bob Hastings, hi, welcome, were there to help us pack up and load up and move up here. And we had a little uh, interim move. We lived in Clayton. And uh, George, we were right down the street, up the street from you. And we lived in downtown Clayton, downtown not greater Clayton. metropolitan. We were downtown. And, um, that church, St. Uh, Paul, was so gracious to let us stay there for a short time. But I can remember the truck pulls up, and there's people from Seaford, but then people from this church who were gathered there to help us unload and move in. And Randy and Teresa Overbay were here at the first service. They were sitting right over there. And I can remember, I was standing at the door saying, okay, this room, this room, this room. And they stopped and I'm like, and what is your name? <laughs> As they were helping move, it was so wild. And then a whole bunch of y'all uh, joined us again uh, in December of 2001, and we moved from Clayton to where we currently live in Longmeadow uh, across town. And the whole point in sharing all this is that we couldn't have done that ourselves. There's no way, even though we have a, well, we didn't have a big family at that time. No, nobody was married. So anyway, <laughs> we didn't have strong sons and We had four kids. So, yeah. 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 So we couldn't have done that on our own. And we were so appreciative of the many hands that jumped in, which is part of our, the basis of our message today. Many hands make light the work. Yeah. So our focus today has nothing to do with moving, but it was just a good story. No, I'm just kidding. It really had nothing to do with moving except for this. Uh, um, uh, our focus doesn't have to do with moving, but it has to do with building. And there's kind of a, because we were building a house, there's kind of a, a little bit of a connection there. But building, a building, and, and not just any building, our story today. It has to do with rebuilding the wall of a town, and it's not just any town. It's rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Now, that's a pretty big deal. It happened around 445 B.C., B.C., before Christ, uh, 140 years previous, Jerusalem was destroyed when, when the Babylonians came to town. They took over and they just decimated things. Picture some of the visuals you see on the news about the war over in, the, in Ukraine. It might give you a little idea because it was, it was just leveled a lot of places. Uh, they took over uh, and they exiled. They, they took back home, back to Babylon, the best and the brightest. And, and um, about 50 years later, though, a guy named Cyrus, Cyrus the Great, he was the Persian king, Cyrus the Great, and the Persians took over from the Babylonians. And they allowed exiles, the natives, to, to, to return to Jerusalem if they wanted to. And, and they helped them. They, they helped them to, to rebuild the temple. Uh, Cyrus, it's interesting, he was not a, 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 a god follower, and yet God worked through him to help rebuild the temple. And, and then in, in the 90 years since then, uh, several kings have come to power in, in Jerusalem, in, in Persia. Exiles have, more exiles have returned. And as I said, in the process of uh, the temple was rebuilt. 
but not the wall. And we're not talking about a little wall around a little property or even a little... This is the wall around the, the city of Jerusalem. It's a big deal. This is huge. Um, uh, the temple's rebuilding, but not the wall, not the wall of Jerusalem. And that's where we find ourselves today in today's story. So there's a man, and he's in the city of Susa. Susa is the winter capital of Persia. Now, his name is Nehemiah. Say Nehemiah. Nehemiah. There's a book in the Bible that's called Nehemiah. He was a really good leader. Nehemiah's job was to be a cup bearer for the king. What that means is that anything that the king would drink, that Nehemiah might test it first, would test it first. If, the, if he keels over, then he knows it's been poisoned and he saved the king. King probably so shouldn't drink it. He had quite a big job to do. In fact, the king's very life was in Nehemiah's hands. There was great, great trust between the king and Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah had some brothers, and one day a brother returned from Judah, and he had been into Jerusalem, and Nehemiah questions his brother about the Jewish remnant. I like that word remnant. It's like a little piece that's left. He questioned him about the Jewish remnant that survived this exile. And he asked about Jerusalem as well. Nehemiah was told that Jerusalem was in great trouble and that the people were too. Even though the temple had been restored, the wall of the city hadn't, and it was broken down and the gates were destroyed and it appeared to be in just great ruin and it felt like it was a disgrace. When Nehemiah heard about this, scripture tells us that he just sat down and wept. Hmm. You know, when I first heard this, I, I found it kind of curious. Nehemiah's family, his not nuclear, but his, you know, extended family came from Jerusalem. They have their roots there. Uh, uh, but uh, it's like anybody have your, like, family home, the place your family calls home. It might not be, might be many miles from here, but it's where your family calls home. And if you have important family functions, that's where you, everybody would come back and gather for those kind of things. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, Nehemiah never even lived there. He never lived there. He's never been a part of that city. I mean, he's been far away. But so I wonder why it gets, he gets so upset and he takes it so personally. Why he's sitting there crying. And, and then I thought about my grandmother's house. A granny lived on a farm outside of Preston, Maryland, that thriving metropolis. Anybody ever been to downtown Preston? Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> thriving, isn't it? It's a, it's a small farming town, basically. And, 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 and this house you live in, it's, it's not big, it's not fancy, it's a farmhouse, but it's a farmhouse that was built by my great-grandfather, and uh, 
and uh, actually her husband's father and uh, my grandfather's father, I mean, he'd taken wood that he had sawed in his sawmill and, and, and put it in that house. I had the privilege of living there for three months when I first moved downstate to teach school. I, uh, the apartments in Seaford weren't finished, so I moved in with Granny for three months, and that was just glorious. And so, um, uh, so you know, um, it was home base, like I said before, a home base where we gathered for those important family functions, those celebrations, and then my grandmother died. But, but my aunt, who is very, uh, family stuff's really crucial to her. She bought out my, my mother and, and her brother, the two, and, and she, she proceeded to fix the house up some, to get, try to get it back to what it was, to restore it, you know? And, and she put a lot of money into it, gee whiz. But then she died. And the house uh, ended up uh, being left to somebody who lived over in western Maryland and... and they, for, they rent out the land to be farmed, but they don't really care for the, the house. It, and so the house sat. Y'all know what happens to a house when it just sits and nobody's in it. You know, it just, it just slowly deteriorates when it's abandoned like that, little by little by little. And golly day, um, last time I saw it, I wanted to cry. Because <laughs> it was, you could see it was just, was going downhill quick, you know. You know, I'd only lived there three months, but that didn't matter. I still was pretty emotional that this once vibrant house, this once center of activity for the family was deteriorating into complete ruin. And so I, I think maybe I have a little glimpse of what was going on with Nehemiah and Jerusalem, even though he never even lived in that town. And so Nehemiah was distraught, he was upset, and he went to the Lord with his feelings, with his emotions, as we should. He mourned and he fasted and he prayed before God. He confessed his sins and the sins of his family, and he also remembered that the Lord had promised to scatter the people among the nations if they were unfaithful but that the Lord would return them if they obeyed his commands and God would gather in the exiled people and bring them to a place of God's choosing. And so Nehemiah, as he prayed to the Lord, he finished his prayer by saying this. We're in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He's talking to the Lord. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And you'll see why he is petitioning the Lord for this particular request. So sometime later, when Nehemiah brought the king his wine, um, uh, he, he exhibited a sadness that was unusual for him. And it's interesting how the, the king picked up on this and he asked, why, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. 
And Nehemiah says, then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. Uh, How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, "Well, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, notice how he prays every step of the way. Uh, With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely, hello, (laughs) through their territories on my way to Judah. And please, give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make better beams I'm sorry, I needed to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because, say the rest with me, the gracious hand of God was on me. In the book of Matthew, Matthew is one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's about the life and the ministry of Jesus. We find in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus tells us to ask and we will receive, to seek and we will find, to knock and the door will be open. Now you're like, yeah, right. So I'm asking and I'm knocking and and I don't get the answers, but we just have to trust to know that the Lord does know what's best for us. But this is exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He was hesitant to ask the king for help. And he this was a big ask. I mean, give me a letter so that I can go through the country. And by the way, can you give me a letter so that they'll give me timber? And there were a whole lot of requests. And he had faith and he did it. He did this. Too often we let our fears get in the way of what we might need, and so we're hesitant to ask. But Nehemiah did ask. We too could have prophetic boldness like Nehemiah, faithfully uh, facing and asking for those things that God puts in front of us, what God's requesting us to do. God will make a way for us to carry that out. It just might look different than what we think. Mm. Now, there are many book, uh, many chapters in this book of Nehemiah that tell of uh, what he does, going to Jerusalem and all the time it takes to fix it up, uh, page after page. We're going to kind of condense that today to, just to give you a glimpse of what, was, what, what happened here. So, so or, excuse me, Nehemiah set out for Jerusalem, and he was there in three days. He got up at night with just a few men, telling no one what God had put in his heart to do. He went all over town, checking out the damage that was there, telling no one what he was doing, even those who were going to do the work. Nehemiah 2nd chapter 16 through 20, the city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing. 
He's on a little secretive mission here. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And then I told him about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. And the God of heaven did help Nehemiah succeed. There were three guys, Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem. They were leaders from surrounding areas, and they really considered this a threat. So they did everything they could to uh, make it hard on Nehemiah to challenge Nehemiah every single step of the way but Nehemiah stayed strong for the cause he was obedient in what the Lord was asking him to do and here we go with the the main frame of what we're speaking about today many hands make light the work small part big impact and so now we see Nehemiah at a point where he's gathering people in order to execute the building of this wall. Nehemiah chapter 3. When Eliasab, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild, then Eliasab, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassananah. Sure. They laid the beams, set up the doors, installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repair. I have this phonetically on here, and I still can't say it right. Repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him was Meshulam, son of Barakah, and grandson of whatever. You got it. You got it. And then Zadok, son of Bana. Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. I can't believe I have this portion of Scripture to share. And there's a couple more pages. Are you, okay. re you ready for it? Would you, you, is this you. enough or do you want to okay. hear the rest? I, I am done, but there's more to go. So it... There's more slides about this, like there's huh. a Joanna. There's more there's slides. A Gibeon, there's more pages. There's a Mizpah. Is there another? Is that it? Oh, then there's a Uziel, and then we've got Hananiah again. The when you go home today, take out your Bible and read Jeremiah chapter 3, and as long as it takes to finish all the who did what, okay? 
That's our deal. So this is just a small portion of the scripture that is here for us to understand that it took a whole bunch of people to rebuild this wall. Many hands make light the work. Small part, big impact. In spite of the continued interference of Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the work continued and the wall reached um, half its height. Half its height. Nehemiah and his people prayed to God, and then they posted a guard day and night. I mean, these guys were serious in interfering, and they were serious about protecting against it. Nehemiah stationed some of the people at vulnerable points in the wall with swords and spears and bows. He told them to not be afraid to remember that the Lord who is great and awesome would fight for their families. And from that day on, half the men did the work, and the other half uh, were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. Armor. The workers who carried materials did so with one hand, and they held a weapon in the other. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. The man, man who sounded the trumpet stayed with Nehemiah. And when there was trouble, he sounded the, trouble, the trumpet, and then they all gathered there. They all came in. Nehemiah told him that the Lord would fight for them. And they continued to work and work and work in the midst of all these challenges. And so the wall was completed, yeah. and actually the wall was completed in 52 days. That's less than two months. This is amazing. And remember, there weren't um, like power tools or there weren't hydraulics to help this happen. It was just everybody doing their part. All this hard work done, first of all, the Lord enabled them to do it and gave them strength, but many hands make light the work. Every single thing that they did, every little bit added up. Small part, big impact. Hmm. Isn't that a great story? I love that story. Especially that 52 days thing. And especially in spite of the challenges, in spite of those three guys, they kept working. They didn't let those uh, inconveniences, they didn't let those uh, challenges get in the way of doing what God called them to do. They got it done. And then the question, though, for us is, so what? That's a nice story, but so what? What's that got to do with me here in CCC in 2022? Well, here's what it's got to do with you. Look around. I'm really serious. Look around. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, we're not under siege. Some days it feels like it, but we're not. As those working with Nehemiah, we don't have to work with one hand while holding our weapon with the other most days. But but just like those who completed that wall in 52 days, many hands make light the work. Amen? Amen. Many hands make light the work. Here we have many, many, many people working together. And why are we doing that? There's one goal. You know, the, the, a lot of different tasks, but there's one mission here, to connect people with Jesus and the new life that he offers. And that's what we're all doing, all these various tasks, because ultimately, that's what our focus is. And so we wouldn't be doing anyone a favor if we didn't list, lift some things up right now about how we can live this out. 
We talk about the food ministry a lot. There are people that come every Tuesday and Thursday mornings and receive what they need to carry them through the next week. But it's so much bigger than Tuesday and Thursday morning. Do you know that every day of the week, someone goes to a local place and picks up food. Then they bring it back. And then there are other people who pack the food into bags. But first, they pack bagels into separate bags. And then other people come in and clean out the freezers or deliver at certain places. Other people come in and maintain the freezers and defrost them. I mean, it's so much bigger than what we see on Tuesday and Thursday. Many hands make light the work. Mm -hmm. When you drove in this morning, isn't this place beautiful? Yeah. One thing, that, that blue front is blue again. Did, have you noticed? It's not whatever that washed out uh, you know, color was after the sun beat on it. We have, there were some guys who did that. And they did it not when everybody was here watching. They did it quite, you know, when... And, and, and when you walk, you drive in, you see those the, the plants, the flowers, the trees and all that. They didn't just appear, you know. There's a, uh, there's a team who, who works on that. Plus, the small groups here maintain those islands. You know what I mean when I'm talking about the islands, those different places out there? They maintain it. They go out there and they pick weeds and they put mulch down and they plant things. Again, that doesn't just happen. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes sweat, and we have many, many people here putting that together. We have guys cutting the grass. Yeah, isn't it funny how every Sunday the place looks freshly cut and trimmed? Well, it doesn't just happen, you know? We have a beautiful little garden over here. We get some flowers and get some, uh, some vegetables out of it. Great idea, but there are people who come in and maintain that. Otherwise, it would look like my garden which you wouldn't want to see because I'm the best weed grower in the country. But they take care of that so that it looks good and it, and it grows well. And oh, by yes. the way, our island needs some attention. And see? see? Thanks, Alan. Okay, so let's talk about children and youth. As Barry said, there is so much going on. And yes, we do have some paid positions for that, but their job is to organize us so that together we can help kids grow in their faith from nursery to the gym to the youth. And, you know, just a little bit goes a long way, and your help is absolutely needed in order to make it all flow. Sometimes it looks like we have everything together. Yeah, well, we want it to look like that for the guests that come in, just like, you know, our homes, but there are gaps. And that's why we're speaking about this. So, so what about you? Uh, where, where is it that your small part, and nobody has to do everything, but it's really great when everybody does something. But where, where's your part? And, and how's it going to have a big, how's God going to use your little part to have a big impact? Where, where can you jump in, be a part of things, make a difference? All right, so now you can pick up this that you put aside. If you want to pick it up, please, and you look at volunteer opportunities on one side of it. I just need to say, at 9 o'clock, we needed 
34 volunteers in order to run nine o'clock behind the scenes. So think about times that by 10.30, times that by Monday night, times that by what happens through the week. That's a lot of volunteers just to make things flow. I wanna lift up a few things we've already spoken about, the children and the youth and the nursery and the food ministry. There's a couple things that you might not know about. How about gatekeeper? I don't know if you've heard about gatekeepers, but Anthony right back there is a gatekeeper, and he's got this little earpiece in his ear. So be and careful. Somebody else that's walking around to make sure that we're safe. Unfortunately, in this day and time, we have to have that. And for a while, we kept it kind of like under the radar. But we want you to know that you're safe. And if you want to join that team, you don't need any special credentialing. It's just eyes and ears to keep an eye on our church. Make sure when kids are dismissed that they're given to the right person. We have to care about those things, but it takes all of us together to, to do that. I know that when you come in on Sunday morning, you see someone out there waving. Boy, oh boy, that is so important if you can jump in and do that once a month. The tech team. Uh, Aaron and Chuck are on cameras, but we've got nine people that are running tech every service. That's a lot of people. You don't have to be a techie. You just need to be able to handle some directions that, and you get training. So join the tech team. If you can sing or play an instrument, we would love to have you be a part of things. If something is not on here that you see, like hospitality, Pat said, well, how come I'm not on here? Say, I want to join hospitality or OCC or something. Just write it on here. So now on the other side is a checklist. So you can check what you want. See that other? You can write in what you don't see on here. And then you can give this to... I'm not sure if Michelle's out there or Dot's out there um, at the blue table when you leave. And we're going to get you connected. It's not a life sentence. It's just a couple months to try it out. And it's not every week. It could be once a month or it could be more. But I have this personal goal that everybody that calls Connection Church their home can do something as part of this. Many hands make light the work. Yeah, you might be saying... Well, what could I do? Um, somebody will let you know. I mean, if you really ask. Well, and, you know, you think, well, that's not much. Like, stand out there. We don't even need you to direct traffic because there's plenty of parking. No, we need you to wave and let people feel welcome. You know, before somebody ever hears a first time here, before they ever hear the message or the music, more often than not, they've already decided if, they've come in back, if they're coming back. And that's based on how they've been treated from the time they turned off of Route 71 till the time they got into the sanctuary here. By how many people said hi, uh, shook their hand, made them feel welcome. That, that's what people need. That's what people want. You know, you don't have to have uh, great training. You don't have to have spe special tools. You just need to be willing to help. Uh, need to be willing to help. Um, morning we use the story of uh, Nehemiah, that Old Testament story, uh, to point out that many hands make light the work. Small part, big impact. 
Yeah, we could have used one of many scriptures, especially from the New Testament. How about 1 Corinthians 12, where we learn about the, the parts of the body where every part's important. Every part of the body is crucial. And that body represents the church working together, everybody involved. Or, or there's Ephesians 4, where we learn about uh, that we're all equipped with spiritual gifts. If, if you know Christ, you've been given spiritual gifts, at least one. If you don't know what it is, you ought to take that network class they talked about earlier. But you have at least one spiritual gift. You know, God gave it to you not to sit on, but to use, to put into practice. Or, uh, um, uh, let's see, the, the ultimate is Jesus. Look to him. Uh, Matthew 20, 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to others and to give his life as a ransom for my the son of the very son of god didn't sit on a throne someplace but he came down and he served you and me and then matthew 23:11 the greatest among you must be a it's all about serving small part big impact what is god nudging you to do today What's God been nudging you about? Sometimes it's a little scary to step out, but we would hope that this is a safe place to step out and give something a try, to allow God to use you, small part, big impact, as together we live out our mission. You know, what? I, I, I meant to, I slipped my mind earlier. You online, you're not excluded. You know, we have a woman out in uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma who does the uh, online hosting. So, you know, you're, you're part of the church, and we have opportunities for you to serve too, even though you're miles and miles away. Yeah. Absolutely. So together, small part, big impact, many hands make light the work. We come together in our mission to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. That's the good news this morning. Let's live it. Let's do it. Let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this um, leader named Nehemiah and for the way that he trusted you and you used him to rebuild the wall. And God, this example in Scripture just illustrates that it takes all of us. And I think about in 1 Corinthians 12 where the church is like the part of a body and there's the head and the foot and the hand and the, the eye and the ear and all are important. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship you today to take a look at scripture, to gather together. It's such an encouragement to be together. And God, as we sing this last song, Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our souls. It's you and you alone. Help us live that out in obedience and in faith. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and everybody gathered here and online said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Thank you.